Welcome to the Nifty Podcast, presented by Party Fish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from around the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2019 from Seattle, Washington. My name is Kyle Sego. I am Director of Programming for Nifty 2019, and I am here today with Jordan Romero, a Director of Of The Sea. Jordan, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you. Your film... Amazing. One of my favorites from, from last year. I'm a, I'm a documentary person myself, and it was just such a striking, beautifully shot, well-told story, and really excited to talk to you about the film, where it came from, how it started, and maybe that's a good place to start. Um, what, what gave you the inspiration to make this film, or how did you find this story? Well, that's a, that's a good story. I'll try to tell it as short as possible. Uh, let's see. I grew up in New Mexico. And which is kind of funny because the film is totally a, a surf film, but it's inspired because when I first moved to university, I, which four years ago, I went to Chapman University, which is where I went to Dodge. And this film was my thesis. But since moving to California, I was always really determined to learn how to surf. And one of the biggest struggles that I had moving out here is, is actually finding people to surf with and, not only just people in general, but other female surfers. And so I actually went to this all-female, it was called a Surf and Brunch, and it was actually hosted by our, the protagonist's bikini brand. And it was in Malibu, and it was a meetup for women to come and surf. And then we all went to her house afterwards and kind of just – started to foster like a community of, of female wave riders. And that's where I was first introduced to Catherine and got to know her pretty well from that one event. And she had three more that summer. And that's when I learned more about her activism and her bikini brand and its sustainable efforts. And when it came time to create my senior documentary thesis at Chapman, I knew that I wanted to do a female-driven surf film. And looking at my network of people and stories I had access to, Catherine was like top of the list. And I think it worked out so well because we had already fostered a relationship for a growing like two years at the time. So that's how it all began. That's amazing. I mean, what's that quote about? half of your success in life is just showing up. I mean, just showing up to that brunch and meeting somebody and making a connection uh, leading all the way there. I'm sure there was a lot in between that you didn't touch on that led to the actual film getting made. But maybe for those who haven't seen the film, you could give a little bit of a, a story overview of what it's about. And then um, it's funny that you mentioned protagonist as uh, as her role in the film. And maybe you can talk about the antagonist or sort of the underlying uh, conflict in the film as well. Definitely. You think I'd be like master at explaining the log line for the film by now. But essentially, Of the Sea is a short documentary that fall. It's a character driven piece about Catherine. And she is a mother, a surfer, an activist. And I think the film really just shows a portrait of her life through her bikini brand and she her bikini brand is called Judah Vag and it is a eco-friendly bikini line that uses 
plastic water bottles and fishing nets to create the materials that the swimsuits are made out of. And so I think that the brand really just kind of reflects her as a person. And because through her swimsuits, we're able to touch on her environmental efforts and also, I guess, yeah, talking about the antagonist is kind of our worldwide consumption and our need to constantly be consuming the biggest climax of the film i think is when we go to a landfill down in nosada costa rica which is where the film takes place and you're in this beautiful tropical paradise of costa rica and really just behind a few palm trees there's over fifteen thousand tons of just trash and it's hopefully a very powerful scene that kind of shows that consumption is really just taking over our planet and I hope that the film is it shines light on this issue but then also shows that there are people and that there are activists and everyday things that we can do to reduce the amount that we are consuming on a daily basis and that starts with like our decisions to buy our our decisions to recycle and to reuse and hopefully just overall using less every day yeah and you mentioned the film no that was great the film takes place in in costa rica what were some of the what were your experiences traveling to to make this film how did that i mean obviously she's based there was it always determined that the film was going to be shot there or did you have other uh, ideas for telling the story well, I'm super fortunate that I met Catherine when she still lived in Malibu, California. And over the course of meeting her, she moved to Costa Rica kind of to live more minimally and kind of just getting out of the hustle bustle of L.A. And she was fortunate that her family was able to move there and work remotely. And they had kind of been traveling back and forth there. So they moved there in July and I went and shot the film there in November, December. So they were still pretty new to the neighborhood back when I first shot the film. But I felt pretty lucky that I got to go to Costa Rica. I got to travel internationally to shoot a student film. And luckily, I took I only took two crew members. I took my cinematographer and my other underwater cinematographer. So it was just the three of us kind of wearing a lot of hats and it was an amazing it just kind of allowed the film to just be not or to just have a different image than what you see in a lot of the documentaries that are typically coming out of the student films which take place locally so I was super fortunate and really happy that we got to to travel yeah and that perfectly leads into my next a uh, question about the visual style of the film. I mean, it opens, um, you know, the opening scene contains a lot of underwater shots, and and but they they still match with the rest of the film. How did you develop the under the, or the visual style you wanted incorporating underwater shots and different kinds of cinematography? Uh, this is something I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about. I feel like I have always been drawn to beautiful images and I think a lot of times documentaries are typically not the most beautiful films and the most stunning it's very much like a lot oftentimes 
perceived as just run and gun, like budget cameras, but I put actually a lot of effort into planning out scenes and being very intentional. Like I, we had a conversation, like never take the camera off the tripod. Like I want it to be a very still film, like find your shot, find your angle and like stick with it and, and just like hold and like give the film pace. And I think that the, I think it's easy also to get caught up in like making your film beautiful and losing the storyline. But at the same time, I think because we tried so hard to make every environment and every scene look kind of dreamy, then when we see the the trash and the landfill, it really kind of hits home because you feel like you're in this paradise kind of world, but really like there's still something lurking there. And I hope it was able to like kind of hit home and have people like fall in love with this place and hopefully kind of share an emotional connection with, with the conflict that's happening, not just there, but all over the world. You mentioned the idea of keeping everything on the tripod, which I think is sort of counterintuitive to a lot of documentary films, like you said, uh, the run and gun aspect. Did you ever face, or you and your cinematographer ever face moments where you felt like you might miss something because the camera was on a tripod? I think that's kind of an internal struggle that a lot of directors face, the idea of missing a moment versus creating those moments. Was that ever a struggle for you? I think it's definitely a thought that came to mind. I, I would hate to to miss a moment, but I think one of the cool things that ended up happening is that because we found our shot, we found our angle and we held on it, we were able to get a lot more intimate moments. We weren't following them super close up with a camera in their face. We were a little bit wide and we were able to like let full moments and scenes play out without the interference of the camera so like quite literally taking on the fly on the wall sort of method and and staying wide and just being confident that everything is in the shot and hoping that the simple cutting would be able to get the effect of having either multiple cameras or having it not on sticks and I, I'm actually pretty happy with some of the scenes that we were able to get and having the moments play out kind of organically. I, I really liked that feel. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it often can be harder, you know, that way than allowing yourself just to capture, capture, capture and follow somebody around and just see kind of how the story unfolds. You have to think more in advance about the story and how these these scenes affect your story. Did your relationship with Catherine change at all through the process of of making the film or after the film has been made? How has that been? It's great because our relationship is even stronger now. I think in both ways we've been able to bring, like me telling her story and having her story be told to more and larger audiences, we've been able to simultaneously help each other. Like the film down, I actually got to go visit Nosada a year later exactly with the film it was playing at a hotel down there and so I got to go visit just a few weeks ago and it's crazy how the film has actually helped her create more positive change in Osada like now they have a whole 
recycling system. They actually have a trash day. They have a truck that goes around all the neighborhoods and picks up trash every other week. And that was something that the film was able to help accomplish. And I think on my end too, it's like we're, we're in a lot more communication. And I think that it was kind of just like a mutual benefit. Like she's super happy with how the film came out and is sharing it with a bunch of people. And it definitely brought us closer. And, and also going back to the whole community that we discussed in the beginning of the film is that just being able to share it with all of those women that were at that very first surf and brunch event, it's just brought kind of that whole community closer together and kind of seeing like what's possible with, with collaboration and bringing women together. It's really cool. That's a really positive note. And I think we've been really grateful with the festival run too. We've played kind of like all over the world in Norway from the East coast to the West coast up in nifty And I'm really happy that I really prioritized being able to live with the film in its afterlife and go to the festivals and meet other filmmakers and watch other films. It's been such a fun summer and it's been such a great way to to live with the film. And I think it's something that I have never really done before with my other student films at Chapman. And I think that in the future, I think the the life after the film is made is almost more important than the film being made itself because that's when you're able to get as many eyes on it as possible. And at the end of the day, I think that's what everybody wants. Everyone wants people to watch their film and to be moved or or appreciate it or critique it and and just to like learn and grow and and really be proud of the work you're making. And so this summer has been such a joy and I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. It's been more than I ever expected with the outcome of the film. That's great. And I love what you said about thinking about the afterlife of the film and and really leaning in and and taking part of that and not just letting the film exist in the world however it travels by word of mouth or whatnot but actually intentionally thinking about being present in those places i'm curious if you set out to be a documentary filmmaker if this kind of came along with finding this story did you have aspirations to do documentaries interesting uh i am kind of jealous of the people who knew that they wanted to be filmmakers from a young age and had cameras their whole childhood or went to like film high schools because I think I just, I don't know, I'm definitely jealous of those type of people. I came kind of backwards where I was super into action sports in, in high school. And I remember it was probably my junior year of high school where I got a GoPro finally. And my filmmaking career kind of started just me filming my buddies on the slopes and making stupid edits every weekend and just like posting really bad tricks and bad jokes. And I never would have thought that I would become a documentary filmmaker. And even ending up at Chapman, I wanted to be a physics major or a computer science major, oddly enough. And then but I've always like had an interest in film and it's always been something that I I looked at with like curiosity, but I definitely never 
thought of it as uh, something to study, much less a career. And then, I don't know, being at Chapman and having all the Dodge kids just down the hall from you and knowing that Chapman and Dodge is like one of the top film schools in the country, it was just hard to ignore. And I spent my freshman year kind of learning more about film and, and meeting friends and kind of working on different sets of Chapman and then ended up applying to the documentary program because I wasn't really sure if I wanted to pick a major because at Chapman, the film production major, you kind of choose an emphasis, whether that's directing or producing or cinematography or editing. And the reason that documentary, the documentary major really stuck out to me was the fact that you were expected to do everything. And like even to graduate to do your documentary thesis, you must direct, produce, and edit it at the very minimum. In fact, most people do end up shooting their doc as well. And that was something that was really fascinating to me. And to this day, I don't ever want to pick one aspect of film production. I love to wear all the hats and I love collaborating with people. I think work is way better done with groups, but at the same time, I don't ever want to lose my hand in each aspect. And so I'm, I'm really happy with, with what it's turned out to be because I feel like with documentary, I can really dive into any subject that interests me. Right now, it's definitely female stories in action sports, but who knows? And in a couple years, maybe I can make a food documentary or maybe even get into politics if I want to go down that, that path. So it's been a blessing and I'm so, I love it. I'm just completely obsessed with it now. That is that the is beauty, the beauty of, of, of docs, docs is, is once you know once how to you do everything, everything, you can you just, can just tackle, tackle any story, story and, and, you know, enter into any environment and be able to tell, tell you know, find a good story out of it. So that's, that's really cool to hear that you, that you've found a liking to wearing all the hats rather than wanting to just really specialize, which I think film school can often make you feel like you have to do that. You have to specialize in one thing. So it's great to hear that there are certain schools that are helping to kind of generalize students to make them, uh, talented, talented in, different in different ways. ways. I would love I would to hear, love to hear what's, what's next for next you. I mean, you, you talked about, about some longer term longer goals, goals maybe making a food doc or a political doc, doc but what's, uh, what's, uh, what's happening, happening now? now? Well, I'm actually so excited. Tomorrow I am hopping on a plane and I'm going to Sri Lanka to make my next film. Uh, this has been in the works for a couple of months now, but I'm heading over there to do a short documentary on the emerging local female surf culture there. And yeah, I leave tomorrow, which is kind of crazy. So that's like the big project that's in the works and I'm gonna be going there for five weeks and kind of piggybacking with an organization there that is that gives weekly swimming and surfing lessons to the local women there which is because in that in Sri Lanka the local women are hardly kind of seen in the ocean and particularly in the rural areas women are expected to be inside the homes and they're often excluded from like the recreational and economic opportunities that surf tourism has to offer there and so yeah I'm just gonna go explore it's a topic that really caught my eye a few months ago and I kind of just was of the seas film tour was coming to 
I was slowing down and I was hungry to create something that was something I, I could direct and that was aligning with my passions and I really think this is the next big step in my career and it's kind of a shot in the dark but I'm I'm so excited. That's amazing. That's amazing. Five, weeks. Five weeks. That's going to be gonna awesome. Be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's into cool. into the into the unknown into another foreign country. It seems like yeah. you're you're definitely able to find your footing easily in, in foreign places. So I hope I hope that all goes well. Um, thanks for joining us. I really I really appreciated talking to you. I really appreciated getting to hear your insights into into the making of your film. Well, thank you. It's been such a joy to connect, and hopefully, this story helps someone else in in the future one day. Maybe that'd be awesome. And I, and I, you still have a couple more years, years left, left in your in nifty, nifty age range, range, right? Oh, definitely. I'm like, let's hope the Sri Lanka thing works out. Twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, we hope so. We hope to see it. Thanks for joining us, Jordan, and thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty twenty nineteen, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at nfty or on Instagram at nifty film. For more podcasts from Party Fish Media, search Party Fish Media wherever you listen to podcasts. Or follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.